The maiden must address the receipts she has been given by the past in order to begin the healing of her nervous system. Until this moment, she has not claimed her powers to nurture herself back to true and authentic serenity. She was used to handing over her feelings, emotions, and all the anxiousness of thought to unsafe people. These were people who had never awakened to their own powers and therefore could not regulate their own emotions nor have the capacity and space for them, let alone for others. The maiden is entering into the most intense healing as she comes face to face with herself. She allows herself to be seen by her own eyes fully and completely. She surrenders to the mirror of self-awareness, bowing her head in complete humility for what will be illuminated within her. She gazes at the mirror and it begins to reveal the events of her life. She sees how she had never learned to fully love herself. In the moments where the maiden experienced emotions that society labels as negative, such as doubt, sadness, fear, anxiety, anger, hatred, and apathy, she would engage with it in disempowering ways through self-loathing. Sometimes the maiden chooses to run from her emotions and outsource through distracting herself in the pursuit of experience and numbing herself through people and substances. If the maiden meets her emotions, she meets them with shame because she has yet to awaken fully to her innate self-worth and love. That is what healing is all about, re-regulation of a years-long dysregulated nervous system. The maiden must access her feminine energy of surrender. She must surrender to all the emotions she feels, and she does this by letting herself feel the weight of each emotion in its entirety. She may sit or lay with her hands clasping her chest in desperation, but does not try to stop the waves of pain or anxiousness. She lets herself feel the discomfort of meeting her emotions in a radically open-hearted way. She may feel her tears flow and it is her body alchemizing her emotions into the physical plane. Her tears in their intangible form are a manifestation of her feelings and an extension of her heart's yearning to be understood when words and logic fail. When she allows this open heart interaction, she invites herself into a radically self-loving space that is free and clear of judgment, contempt, and shame. This is the healing space. For the collective conscience, this is the space that we will be in the moments when we feel the weight of our total humanness. Our humanity that comes with the capacity to feel overwhelming joy and delight, but also to feel terrible pain and absolute grief. We must meet each moment in an open heart, radically self-loving way so that continuous healing advances. Continuous healing never stops our humanness, but it allows us to celebrate and deepen our capacity to love. The natural result of continuous healing is that the path back to serenity, a coming back to ourselves, a return to our fullness, is quicker, steadier, and less painful each time. We now speak of breath. The first breath into mankind brought forth conscience. The divine transfer between God breath into a non-living, godless void and fashioned from dust created a God soul in each man and each woman. This God soul is the same divinity living within all humans. This is why we are all divine beings so far as we awaken to it. The essential point is here. 
From the moment God breathed into us, we were fully equipped with all the tools we needed within us to rise to our power. In other words, our power rests within our breaths. In order for the re-regulation of the nervous system to ensue, the maiden must learn to awake to the power of breathwork. As her body surrenders to the waves of her emotions, she is breathing deeply. Too often one forgets to breathe through expanding the stomach, inhaling inwards slowly, and noticing the oxygen going into the lungs and filling the stomach, then releasing the oxygen through the nostrils slowly and intently. Repeating this practice when triggers arise and introducing the practice into the day in every moment that one remembers to breathe helps the body to remember that it is safe. This practice assists the self to notice how alive the body is through breath, the biological signal of the preciousness of life. The self will also become awakened to the awareness inside one's body, the actual being, the consciousness within each of us that is so alive. Through the practice of breathwork, the maiden begins to build self-trust, one of the most sacred and fragile energies to exist on this plane. She is learning to hold herself in all her emotions and accepting the fullest expression of herself. Setting and Holding Boundaries In this stage, the maiden is learning to reparent her inner child. She may have come from a dysfunctional family, an abusive family, or she may not have had a family at all. The tragedy is that the maiden might have lived in a village, but the village did not raise her in the ways she needed so as to embody her queenship. In the world today, we have lost touch of what it means to be a family unit. We have lost sight of the meaning of community and the importance of women's roles within these communities. As the development of technology in its vastness and complexity has superseded the comprehension of the mind, we find that our interactions amongst people have drastically magnetized on a global scale. It has never been easier to interact, but humans are becoming lonelier and more depressed. While we are able to interact with such ease and speed, we are finding it harder and harder to connect on a soul level. Close-knit communities are becoming sparse as nation-states are prioritizing industrial growth and thus lending to the magnitude of corporate capitalism, which is driving the global economy while obscuring small-scale and local businesses. If family structures lack a sense of belonging to a community that normally consists of a flavorful culture and a tradition that transcends generations, the family unit could have difficulty navigating important conversations regarding family values, duty, and expectation. In a dysfunctional family, many projections at an unconscious level can occur on a regular basis. There is the question of the ego within the roles of family and family members. For example, if there is an overbearing mother and an absent father, he may be physically present but does not provide a healthy structure or may have been passive, there can be an underlying sense of bitterness and hostility that perpetuates a lack of safety within the unit, thus creating a breeding ground of the creation and fixation of victim stories and misapplied meanings. A crucial aspect of the ego is that it will allow one to overattach to traumas and shortcomings. One writes a disempowering script when one believes that her or his life is made by a tragic event, thus allowing one to remain as a victim for a lifetime. 
When a person identifies as a victim, she relinquishes her power to change her own life. Likewise, through witnessing these levels of dysfunction, the maiden internalizes it and ascribes to the role of victimhood. When the maiden ascribes to this disempowering role, she sees herself as the damsel in distress. The current media and society fosters a disturbing addiction to the trope of the aesthetically sad woman. There are a plethora of tragic books, depressing poetry, heartbroken songs, and movies all depicting women suffering, crying silently in the night, helpless and powerless against the men and forces that rule their lives. Girls at a very young age ascribe to this role and identify to this trope on an internal level. The maiden sees life happening to her and she is powerless to her fate. Oftentimes, she becomes an agent of abuse by turning it on herself. In her helplessness, she accepts every treatment that comes her way. This is a wounded aspect of longing. Longing, in its essence, is a powerful trait of the feminine. Longing allows the woman to feel into her truest expressions and claim her deepest truths and desires. Longing is the woman who awaits her love and yearns from a place that is entirely vulnerable and unafraid. Women can open up to the powers of longing by being in a complete receiving mode, waiting and wanting with non-attachment to a specific outcome, staying true by honoring her desires, and recognizing the courage it takes to stay completely open to disappointment and divine redirection. In this sense, the woman is not suffering nor pining for a love as is portrayed by the maiden archetype, but she makes a conscious decision to simply live in an open-heart way while not knowing the end. There is a new movement that is becoming more prevalent in current media, and that is when the suffering woman develops rage. When Wonder Woman's love interest sacrifices himself to save the fate of the world, she unleashes a feminine rage that is unlike everything she's experienced before. This rage allows her to defeat Ares and reunite her powers from within. This feminine rage, which is within all women, can help to unlock their divine powers, which are our birthright. The feminine rage is old and a natural result of oppression, as generations of rage has been passed down from centuries of women who are unable to reclaim their divinity. This rage will continue to pass down until all women decide a new destiny. It is important that women feel the depths of our sadness in an open-heart way and allow the rage within us to breathe, but we must also reclaim our purpose. This rage is not arbitrary, nor has it no purpose. This rage is to aid the woman to step back into her power of choice. This is the moment that she decides to choose what happens in her life, who she allows herself to open up to, what she lets occupy her space on a physical and spiritual level, and how she responds to the ebbs and flows of her own life. The maiden can do this through recognizing the ways that she has acted from her victimhood and make the decision to once and for all step out of it and let go of her claim over it. This is the frequency of courage. Courage is the moment where the maiden makes the decision to reclaim truths that no one she knows or heard of have ever done before. She claims the truth by validating her desires, knowing with complete certainty that she is worthy of having her desires met and that she has the strength to remain alone until that happens. She has the self-trust to refuse access to anyone who does not meet her, her desires. She is writing herself a new timeline. 
a timeline where she is a home to herself, a place where she finds solace, peace, and safety. This new timeline will consist of relationships that feel nothing short of it, people, lovers, and friends who do not play parts that reinforce her wounds, but vibrant characters that support and show up in every act with no hidden agenda. This is the way of the embodied woman, where once there is a maiden who accepted and let in every person that came her way, now stands a queen who sets boundaries for herself and requires everyone to honor her boundaries before they have a solid chance of stepping within her castle walls. The queen must hold and honor her own boundaries, a power accessed through her masculine energy. She does not entertain friendships that trigger her old maiden ways, she does not seek to find herself in the hopes that her reward would be Mr. Right. Instead, she seeks to find herself because this is her purpose, filling her own cup until she overflows with love and peace beyond her wildest dreams. She knows within her heart with full conviction that the time will come when Mr. Right will find her. If she does desire for divine union, spiritual partnership, and pure devotion, then one day that is what she will receive. The truth is that it exists because her desires for it exists. But this book isn't about Mr. Right at all. It isn't about the queen finding her king. This is about a woman coming back to herself, remembering the first time she dreamt of love, but instead of fantasizing a faceless stranger sweeping her up in his arms, she learns how to wrap her arms around herself. Instead of losing her breath from breath, butterflies that turn into anxiety and codependency. She breathes through the silence of loneliness and lets herself fill up all the uncomfortable spaces of her heart, speaking to herself words of comfort and declaring aloud her boundaries like spells meant to pierce through the unwilling ear. This book concludes with the woman who remembers what she used to love, the Greek mythology stories that filled her preteen years, the way her ink pen seeps through the pages of her journal, and the music that makes her dance like a wild woman. So much of creation brings to her the warmth she had hidden from. Out of fear, the sunlight would illuminate her scars for the world to see. But she's learning that her scars are inviting and her voice is getting stronger. More and more women with similar scars are drawing in and her voice rings loud and clear as the wind picks up and carries it over to stranger and unlikelier places. More women are responding and they carry within them a courage fueled by a burning desire for a new story to be told. A coming back to myself. Reclaiming the power given to me at birth. Reclaiming the deepest level of my desires. Reclaiming the pure yearning for devotion. Reclaiming my femininity and what it means to be a woman. Surrendering to what I do not know. Surrendering to the present moment as emotions ride high on the tides of ego. Surrendering to my God, the only one I know. The only one that holds the paradox to perfection. The one who found me. The one who lets me go. Knowing all along that I would come back. Coming back to you. Coming back to your love, coming back to the very beginning when breath was breathed into me, when I took form, coming back to the me before form, the me after you, the me that awakens only through conviction and of grace, yet my heart still yearns for what my soul already knows, you. You mold the fragments of my understanding into full integration. <laughs>